This. This is, this is diversified, diversified, diversified game, game, game. game. A podcast giving entrepreneurial advice from a diverse and inclusive perspective with Kelly. He may agree, he may oppose, and it's more than just race, it's about, you know, ideas. So, let the game begin. Hey, it's Kelly, and today on Diversified Game, get your pen and your pads ready, because my guest today is going to show you how all the RNs now are millionaires and why they're driving Bentleys. She has Green Governance Consulting, and she also has Kenna Health. She is out of Connecticut, and I want you to make sure that whatever she tells you, that you check the laws and consult with a lawyer in your state and region, because the rules can change. This is Cannabis Talk, y'all, and I have Kebra Smith-Bolden. How are you doing today? I'm doing well, thank you. Mm-hmm. Well, I just want you to get in and and just let people know what you have because what you have is you know you have a franchise type model for and you're consulting for people and you can help them secure the bag so i know all the medical professionals are like wait how are the rns becoming millionaires you know talk about well let me just first clarify something so i don't get anybody trying to knock me over the head i have yet to make (laughs) millions of dollars Um, I'm still growing and ever going forward hopefully Um, but soon come my millions soon come Um, (laughs) but uh, yes so I'm uh, my name is Kibra Smith Bolden I'm from New Haven Connecticut um, which is even though people don't believe a lot of people didn't even know there were black people in Connecticut believe it or not Um, but they're also you know pretty rough neighborhoods here and um, I grew up in um, kind of like a crossroads between uh, two neighborhoods, went to a school that kind of was a catchment for um, all areas of New Haven. And I grew up in the height of the war on drugs. Um, I'm a 90s. I was in high school in the 90s and, um, you know, really wanted to, it was always in me to want to make a difference um, in my community because I was raised by community-minded folks. Um, but I became a nurse and started working in the community and um, really wasn't as woke or conscientious um, as I feel like I am now um, because I was just in the, you know, going through the routine, not really recognizing the areas in which um we as a community, we as a people struggle and the reasons for that and cannabis helped to enlighten me. Um, what, how I got into the industry is, are you want me to go into that right now? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And I want you to clarify, cause someone said, I told you smoking helps enlighten you and brings you to the next level. So go into all of that. <laughs> okay. So, well, let me just So I never was a smoker, even though I grew up in the 90s in the inner city community. um, I never was into it. I think I I believe that the first time I consumed cannabis was about or attempted to was when I was in high school and I didn't get there was no effect. I didn't feel high. It seemed like a waste. (laughs) I, I have since learned that I was not consuming or actually um 
inhaling properly so that was the reason but you know because of that I never was into into it I had a lot of friends who would consume cannabis on a regular basis and back then of course I was calling it weed um and fast forward to throughout life um I became a nurse I I was married um I had four children and so um I, I had just begun working in my community, doing working in the communities that no other nurses wanted to go to. Um, and suddenly my grandmother, who I alluded to earlier, um, who was a civil servant, worked in the community, uh, well-known um, and respected and loved by many, but especially me as her granddaughter, she was struck with an aneurysm um, at a funeral. She... Um, Luckily, there were service workers there, firefighters, a lot of people from the city. So they saved her life. They were able to save her life. And she went into the ICU and into um, a facility for rehabilitation. And when she was ready to be discharged, she could not live alone um, because this woman who was 88 but vibrant, working still and volunteering in community, had a boyfriend, driving, um, was her mind was totally devastated in her body by this aneurysm. And so she was wheelchair bound. She was not talking um, much and engaging with the family. She wasn't eating. She wasn't sleeping. She was falling. Like it was so many things going on. So she came to live with me and my family. Um, being that I'm a home care nurse, we got her great in-home care including physical therapy. And I knew my grandmother would want to be better. You know, I I had no doubt in my mind, but she would not participate in physical therapy. And I really couldn't understand, you know, like, why isn't she trying? And um, I tell people all the time that God is in the cannabis business because I'm a praying person. And I was praying and I said, God, you know, show me how to help my grandmother. And like, like that, it came to me that my grandmother had told me maybe a decade before in passing um, that she used to smoke a little weed to um, help with her arthritic pain. And she would take a bath every day to just kind of be able to get her joints and her body to move. So we started doing some, you know, heat therapy in the morning. And then I found um, out that her caregiver was a cannabis smoker, a cannabis consumer. And so I was like, all right, let's get grandma high. (laughs) And that's what we did. We got her high. I don't know how I wasn't there. (laughs) But um, when, when within a month, my grandmother was walking with the walker, talking, engaged, eating, um, and was really starting to become back to herself. And because of that turnaround and how quickly I saw improvements after being a nurse and never seeing improvements in mostly anybody, um, I was like, I need to study this plant, you know, and look at it in a different way than I had been looking at it as a person who grew up around it and, you know, had friends who, who smoked it, but really didn't know. So I found this school in Massachusetts and it was about two hours away. So I would work all week to caring for my grandmother and going up to uh, Massachusetts and just taking this 12 course study. It dealt with everything from um, the medicine that is cannabis to the science of cannabis and the endocannabinoid system and how it works in the body. 
But but what really engaged me in this movement, this industry, this, you know, in this industry was the fact that I looked at the history of cannabis and that for hundreds of years, hundreds of thousands of years, it was used as medicine. And then um, when a gentleman, Harry Anslinger, and I say gentleman, gentleman loosely, um, began, he ran out of things to do because he was a prohibitionist and he, he worked on enforcing the prohibition of alcohol. And when alcohol was made legal, he needed something to do. So he decided to focus on uh, cannabis and marijuana. And, and it seemed to be um, fit his profile because he's a he was a, a professed racist um so he was able to use the criminalization and uh, and creating an illegal um space for cannabis to criminalize blacks and mexicans and then this continued and perpetuated over the years up to nixon and the war on drugs with the you know all these things and many people especially black and brown people um have 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 had their career in criminal in the criminal system um, start with a five dollar bag of weed you know and then that led to difficulty getting employment and that led to having to resort to other means to make money to, su to support their families etc cetera, etc cetera. and um, you know this all fed the mass incarceration system so really looking at this and and looking at science and looking at the fact that it's medicine and knowing that the only reason why this became illegal was just to be able to put black and brown bodies in the system and to criminalize them i wanted to make a difference and do something about that and um i knew that as a black woman uh it would be first of all i knew that this industry was going to be a billion dollar industry and that as a black woman it would be difficult for me to really engage in this industry without a couple of things. So the education I received was really important, but also the organizations that I connected to were also important. And I connected with Women Grow, which is a national networking organization that helps women um, and women of color specifically get in the cannabis industry. Um, and so I was completely engaged, uh, started to go to their uh, monthly meetings, decided to open up uh, Women Grow in Connecticut um, and, and have these networking events so that I could educate my community about cannabis. And at my very first networking event, I was introducing myself as a nurse and, you know, a cannabis uh, enthusiast at the time. And, and uh, as I was going around, I was telling people I wanted to, wanted to open a dispensary. And almost everyone said, but you're a nurse. You should do something with your nursing degree. And so I was like, you know, that makes a lot of sense. And um, I ended up talking to a doctor and then Canna Health was born. Um, and Canna Health is a medical cannabis certifying a group of medical cannabis certifying centers where we help people essentially get their, their weed cards, their medical marijuana cards, their medical cannabis cards in the state. 
and we started very small and have grown over the years but from the beginning because of the fact that i had to create this space for myself by not because of the fact that i had i didn't have millions of dollars i didn't have a bunch of people who would invest in me to open up a dispensary or open up a grow facility and because it was difficult you know to even get those licenses even if i had the money you know i wanted to create a lane for people like me you know who want to be in this industry who want to own be owners in this industry because that is part of you know social justice is ownership and um so i wanted to create that and so can a health seem like the perfect model you know and so i opened up the first clinic um kind of perfected things and and was able to see how learn how to scale and make a duplicate a model model that someone can duplicate. And uh, we opened up a second um, can of health in Hartford, Connecticut, after our first one in New Haven, Connecticut. And then I created a licensing program. I didn't want to do a franchise because a franchise was a little too much copy and paste. I wanted people to have autonomy and feel like they actually owned um, their can of health. And so I did a licensing model where they can use my name, my brand, uh, my mode of operation, my, you know, my, my model and, and open up their own can of health. And I got to say that I was primarily interested in having women um, become owners, especially women of color. And um, unfortunately, I have not had people of color step up and and really get you know go forward with the process uh we were going talk in talks with uh some people in georgia some people in new york before the COVID 19 pandemic um hit us and so that has stalled some things but again this has always been from the beginning about creating owners in this industry creating the ability to say that I'm engaged in this billion dollar industry. I belong here and this is what I'm offering. And, and that's, that is all great stuff. And I just want to clarify for people that, you know, all that she is doing is getting people qualified because one of the big barriers, and I live in Seattle currently and, um, you know, moving to the state of Florida um, shortly is but I'm, I'm from the I'm from California, so I, I saw growing up even in high school the big push. Even though I did not smoke, I saw the big push. And the thing for us for dispensaries, and I've seen it, and and I used to say everyone but one person here in the state of Washington, because our the weird our our weeds are is actually a black woman. She's the most powerful black woman in this state of Washington, and. Um, but everybody else that wasn't connected to her in one way or the other, we'd see them get raided. And, you know, maybe that's a coincidence. Now things have changed. But I saw the same thing in California where, you know, if you don't pay your, your tax. That's the street term. You know, you got to pay certain people not to get uh, um, raided because people go to life. I mean, go to jail for life. 
for this if they do it the wrong way. And so a lot of folks, you know, want to get in the industry, but you also have to put a risk. It seems like you don't have any risk that the feds can't come to you. So that's why I love what you're doing. And that's why I see your Bentley. I mean, I see it. It's just not parked in your garage, but it's coming, right? With the driver. <laughs> so with not taking the risk, can you let people know what are, you know, if they get into this and they reach out to you, what are, you know, the realistic expectations money-wise? They can see on the website for, you know, $200, you know, they can get qualified. But what, how much does it cost to do a licensing deal with you? And also, what are some of the barriers that, you know, will limit them? Or what are some of the things that will, you know, push them, like having an RN like you do? So, yeah, give us a guess. So, truth be told, um, so let me just reinforce what you just said. Uh, you're absolutely right. There is no license that's needed or required to um, open a can of health. You don't have to have a huge lump sum to get into this. Um, right now, in the state of Connecticut, any licensee, um, which I'm no longer taking anymore in, in Connecticut, we have six. Connecticut's a pretty small state. That's enough. Like we're, we we try to keep um, Canna House at least 30 miles apart from each other, and so we're about at the max here. But in the state of Connecticut, um, a licensee, the licensing fee was ten thousand dollars, so not a whole whole lot of money, um, and and that was even kind of negotiable, not not the amount, but how it was paid. Um, and there's a profit share every month. Um, and so and so outside of the state will be around the same, just a little more money. Um, and that it depends, but I'm gonna use the figure of fifteen thousand because that's basically where we um, what what we've agreed to with uh, people that we've been in talks to. Um, and that is just because of the fact that in Connecticut, I can drive anywhere within an hour. You know, if it's outside of the state and someone needs my support or needs me to be involved, that's just to facilitate that um, and, and make sure that I'm able to be of a support to them and, and you know, maximize my time while still allowing them to get the full benefit of, you know, my expertise and input and the Canna Health brand. Okay. Now, you're done with Connecticut. I used to live, um, I got married in Springfield, Massachusetts. Mm. And so I know the laws can change. So somebody from Springfield, and you know Springfield is a mob city anyway. Um, can the same thing be done in, in Springfield, Massachusetts? Or the laws totally different? And if not, where else can a can of health be um, built? Okay, so... Um, Canna Health can actually be anywhere that has at least medical cannabis laws. Um, actually, Canna Health can be in any state, whether they have laws or not. It just would, it would change what you're doing. So Canna Health not only certifies people and gives them their cards, but we also provide education about the plant, about the endocannabinoid system, about legalization and utilizing those funds to reinvest in communities. So you can open up a can of help and just be providing education. And that can solely be, you know, you charge a little bit something for classes or you're, you know, so that's something that you could do. We have a curriculum that you can um, buy into and, and utilize as part of your brand. 
in a state that has medical cannabis though is the most ideal because in addition to um to educating people you can also certify them and get them their cards um and so in a state that is legally um is allows for legal adult use um that would limit the people you know there that would reduce the amount of people who will likely want to get their card but there are people who for medical reasons want to have that card to say my doctor said or a doctor said that this is um, necessary, this is why I'm consuming it. And, and so, you know, there is always still that need for the medical program. Um, but the only thing, the only other caveat is who can actually do the certification. So although I'm a registered nurse, I can't prescribe. That's beyond my scope. So in Connecticut, advanced practice registered nurses are allowed to certify. So I hire advanced practice registered nurses, um, family nurse practitioners, um, psychiatric APRNs to actually do the certifications. Um, some states only allow for um, medical doctors to do certifications. Some states um, allow for telehealth or they did on a regular basis uh, before. Now, almost every state is allowing for telehealth because of COVID. But um, like New York was a state that allowed for telehealth and Connecticut didn't. Um, so it all depends on what the laws are in the state, how you can um, create and, and cater your can of health to your state's laws and the requirements necessary. And what type of, you know, profits are, are being seen? I know I, I've talked about, you know, the, the, the big luxury, but there is a lot of money in this yeah so so let the people know you know what the average for what you've already experienced you know in canada health what they could be looking at because i think a lot of nurses don't want to go in anymore <laughs> and so they might say how do i how do i you know not go in the hospital anymore i don't want to do through COVID 19 20 or 55 so can i replace my nurse salary um so i still work as a nurse and I'm trying to plug in my phone. I mean, my computer. Hold on, because it's dying. Uh. Okay, no, you, you, you're you good. And, and you also might have a heart for people. Um, but, you know, extra money. Every nurse will take an extra shift and some extra money. Yeah, I mean, I, I honestly do more <laughs> give back than I actually, uh, you know, take in, to be honest with you. Um, and... I definitely think that you can figure out like, so on average, we see about 20 to 25 patients a week and, you know, we get anywhere between $125 to $200 a, a patient. So, you know, there is definitely opportunity to make money. You know, you take a state like Georgia, specifically the Atlanta area where there are a lot of consumers and a lot of people who are arrested simply or, or engage with the police simply because of marijuana or cannabis. So, you know, they, that will be once a can of health or a certifying center of some sort opens in um, Atlanta, it's going to be super profitable <laughs> because there are people who need to have their cards because all of the things that I do, 
everything and and you didn't even mention you didn't mention one of my businesses which is a home care company um is about job creation opportunity creation and really being able to reinvest in people in my community and give them options and and keep them safe <laughs> and part of safety is uh eliminating or decreasing the interactions that they have with police and you know if someone's on probation or parole and they consume cannabis to deal with the trauma related to prison the trauma related to growing up in the hood whatever that is it is it it's necessary that we reduce their interactions with the police that we reduce the uh, the 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 state or the state's ability to send these people back to prison um, and and they violate people for cannabis all the time but if they have the medical card they can't be violated so you know again as far as profit margins i you know i'm not going to talk about that necessarily but you can figure you can kind of figure it out if you run your business and and manage it appropriately and hire the right people and have a nice balance of staff um I've already laid out the foundation. All you got to do is work it. And, and you know, somebody heard that and they said, wait, that's a $16,000 month. But a lot of people, and, and this is why I think sometimes we don't get into businesses because we don't understand that a $16,000, you know, what you've made a month isn't what you get to take home. So I really like to be realistic about, okay, you have to pay people. You have to pay taxes. So with that, you can replace, you know, somebody's salary with that amount of money. But, you know, I, I, I get sometimes frustrated because with the different businesses that I have, and, and you have a home, home care, we're going to talk about that because I'm just opening up a companion care. You know, people think you're going to make, oh, six figures minimum in all your businesses. And so they really are going to, you know, look at you as, oh, can I get a loan? But can you talk about, you know, if you do have a $16,000 or a $60,000 month, everything that goes into that, because I, I just like to educate the people and I don't want it to come for me always that, you know, your where your profit margins should lie or what do you do? Do you have a team of people that help you with your finances? So I, to be totally honest with you, the first couple of years that we were in business, we didn't make much money. We made enough money to keep the doors open and continue on another day. Um, and, and that's the reality of any new business. Um, most new businesses aren't profitable in the first three to four to five, six, seven years, a lot of people, uh, a lot of businesses. And so it's important that you prepare for that. I honestly... So I, I have a couple of different ways of thinking. <laughs> I mean, I think that you are placed on path, on the path that you're supposed to be on if you're in tune and willing to accept that path. And so, so and because of that, then things work out for you. Um, I also believe, though, that you should plan and be responsible and make sure that you have all your ducks in a row before you go um, on forward with certain ventures and projects and businesses. Um, for me, I sacrificed everything. 
I was a nurse and still am, but at the time, like, I was unable to work because places weren't too pleased with the fact that I was on the news and I was talking about cannabis all around the world to everybody, and they didn't feel like that was a good representation of what they wanted as a nurse. So um, while I was building this business, I was unable to work. Um, I was unable to pay my mortgage. I was unable to do the things that I needed to do, but I felt so strongly about what I was doing um, within this industry that I kept pushing forward. Now, I don't suggest that for people. I don't suggest that people, you know, uh, uh, sacrifice it all. Um, but I do suggest that if that if you feel like you're on a path that you are you are destined to pursue then you do whatever it is that you need to do but yes there are definitely bills associated with businesses there are definitely responsibilities that you have to the state to the federal government to your customers and patients to your employees and all of that costs um most people most of my licensees um open and operate can of health once a week and are able and use it as a way to supplement their income as they're building and growing. Okay. And is it something that, you know, can it be a business that is open? You know, let's say a nurse is working three days out of a week, but she's doing, you know, her, her, her twelves. And then she takes the rest of the time where she's like, Hey, I'm open on Thursday, Friday, and Saturday. It can, it, you know, can it, you do that? At both of, so I solely own and manage two locations. The other four are in partnership with my licensees. And we are only open, I don't think any of my licensees are open more than one day a week. So we're, we, we, I have an office manager that is in the office three days a week and twice a week in um, my Hartford location. Um, but that's just because I'm managing all of the locations and, and keeping up with all of the scheduling and all of the stuff. So I take on that extra expense, but the licensees are open one day a week. They're open for, and we're open for four hours that one day, and we're able to see up to 20, 30 patients in a, in a day. Okay, so we no. low in that regard. Can, can that, I mean, if you're doing one day a week, can that also be like a mobile van where you just have people step in? Can can you do that? Mm-hmm. Oh. Okay, I'm, 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 I'm getting the game, y'all, because you can do this. And that was the reason for me doing the licensing model as opposed to the franchise, because you should, you could, you could just take, I have worked tirelessly since 2017 for the last three years building this brand, making it reputable, showing people what we do and what how we do it and what we do it for. And that's for people to have access to safe plant-based medicine. So because of the fact that I've laid the foundation, you can take my name, put it on the side of your van and start doing, you know, uh, mobile certifications, you know, and that could be your business model. You can go 100% telehealth and never actually interact, you know, have, have a brick and mortar beyond, you know, we have a, a medical record system that has telehealth integrated. So you can just connect your clinician of the day, whether that be a, a physician or an APRN 
with the patients and provide before and after education and bam that's your business model and you never had a you don't even have to pay rent anywhere you're doing it from home you know so so there are a few different ways that you can execute a can of health for sure and how does can of health i you know i know you have some of the um some of the you know the materials in your in your teaching and the curriculum but for someone who's listening and say okay i'm in florida all the doctors have you know their um names on the taxi cabs and they're going through how do i compete because i still have to go get a doctor in my state to to do this even though i can do it telehealth it does can it help help provide any physicians that will help them with this so no i mean now that that's you are required to get your own personnel i can help with that process you know help with the interview process help to identify viable candidates based on what I've seen and how people interact uh, with clinicians and office staff, but it's your business. So you're responsible for hiring your own staff, for training your own staff with my assistance though. Um, you know, I do provide training uh, at least for the initial uh, core group of employees and then you know it's the owner's responsibility to make sure that new people and and, and um, people are educated on an ongoing basis um, but so no <laughs> I don't provide doctors um, but I, I will say that like every state that I have been engaging in conversations with people about um, opening Canada Health in are states that I have are states that I have relationships in, so there will be opportunities for synergy, for connections. You know, just because of the national um, organizations that I'm connected to, from Women Grow to the National Cannabis Industry Association to Minority Cannabis Industry Association, for the Cannabis Nurse Network, for the American Cannabis Nursing Association. Like um, all, and, and oh, let's, let me not forget to um, um, M, for M, M for MM, Minorities for Medical Marijuana. So like between those networks of organizations and I'm probably forgetting even naming some, there are ways to make sure that you have what you need and you have the connections to the proper people in your state. Normal, I forgot about normal. <laughs> Okay. And, and, and my next thing, if you said you provided, you know, doctors, I was going to say, hey, do you provide lawyers too? So that I, they can all bug you and say, hey, I got jammed up, you know, because I didn't do what you said. But no, you are on your own people. And, and you know, Kibra, tell me, I mean, that means um, African queen, it, correct? It means sort of close. It means glory of a king, which usually would be his queen, but yes. <laughs> oh, okay. Okay. Translation is, is in. Okay. I, it, you know, I, I, I get my, my languages and whatever mixed up. Is there any way that can a health? I love, um, I have investment in Africa. I am Africa. I'm a part of Africa. Is there any way where this can, you know, go to Africa and they can, you know, benefit? Uh, so I'd say absolutely. I've actually had several, you know, conversations with people from um, different parts of Africa 
interested in taking advantage of this opportunity and really starting to educate the community about medical cannabis to grow it to have you know because th that can be a commodity you know a, a source of income for an entire community like that could be you know a place where people not only can consume it but they're growing it they're they're uh, manufacturing it they're extracting it and making it into edibles and vapes and you know these are all they're delivering it these they're all different types of or there are all different kinds of micro businesses that can spring off from this industry and African countries are no different and, 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 and are interested, you know, they wanted to partake in this industry as well. They just um, have been reaching out because they lack the knowledge and understanding, you know, to be able to go forward. Well, if you come up with something and you can think of it direct, let me know. I have a new website that it's not perfected, but it is a wealth of information for any investment or anything you want to do on the continent from people who I've spoke with, do business with, or have embedded. But it's the it's mallforafrica.africa is the domain. And I would love if, you know, you figure something out because in Malawi, I mean, that's known to have the most potent um, cannabis and the reason why, because people will listen to me and they'll say, man, Kelly, I thought you were the scripture guy and you were whooping them with the scriptures. I, I whoop them with everything. But I remember my mother who hated drugs, who when she was in her last fight for cancer, she tried, you know, she tried it. And she's like, I'm going to try this. I'll call you back at, at, at an hour. And when she called, she's like, how am I supposed to feel? And I can still kind of laugh at those memories because she had no clue of how she was supposed to feel. She just knew she feel, felt better. And so that, you know, is, is something that is why we're going to push this because this is not, oh, I'm just going to toke up just because. And if that's what you want to do, fine. If you're not hurting anybody, who, who I don't, I don't care about that. Um, but certain people have conditions they haven't even found out for all we know this could cure covid right and, and so you know if you find anything I, i'd love to you know in the future pull you in and even say hey this is so and so this is so and so because if you haven't been to africa you'll never want to leave if you oh, go to right africa and as you pointed out i have an ethiopian name an african name and I want to go to Ethiopia first <laughs> um, because that is where my name comes from. Um, but there's a lot of ties to the to cannabis, of course, through Ethiopia, you know. And so I just I would I'm, I'm really interested in that. But I do already have a plan and a program now. I mean, and it's about educating. It, it all starts with education. That's that's point number one. And if I'm nothing, I am a cannabis educator. And, you know, just coming in and helping to break down some of the stereotypes, helping to help people understand that you don't just have to smoke it. There's many other ways that you can um, implement this into your daily regimen that doesn't, that doesn't mean one way or another. You know, there are different strains, different terpenes, different profile, cannabinoid profiles. And all these things are, are areas in which we can educate people about the plant 
and then educate people about the opportunities and businesses that can um, can come from this industry or, or that are within this industry. No, that's no, that's beautiful. And um, you, all you have to do is say the word in September when they open up the borders. Uh, Ethiopia is a beautiful place. I heard. <laughs> yeah, and, and there's so many layers to Ethiopia. I haven't discovered them or seen them all, talking like an American, discovered them. It's been there before us, right? But, I, I mean, Ethiopia from, I'll say, Addis Ababa to Mekele, which Mekele I like a lot better than Addis Ababa just because Addis is a big city. There is so much for those who are preparing now um, and, the, you know, the Rastafarians, um, I spoke to one of them in Addis and, you know, they have, they, they can do whatever they want in their, their section of, of the, you know, Ethiopia. And it's just, you know, uh, it's a beautiful thing. So we'll, we'll talk more because um, I might get a little too loose and then folks will look at this interview and say, wow, okay. But Africa is the now and it's the future. And so it's a beautiful thing with all of your go to Africa for my birthday, uh, which is in October. Um, so that was the plan before all this happened. So we'll see if it still happens, but I'm definitely going within the next 12 months. Well, this is the best time to if you haven't bought your ticket already because tickets are so cheap. Yeah, I'm going to look into it. Um, a girlfriend of mine, um, Jane Green, Tanjanika. She's out of Georgia. She works in the cannabis industry, and our birthdays are both in October. So that was our gonna be our birthday gifts to ourselves. So maybe we'll start looking now. <laughs> I might have to attach myself with a cameraman for you as a work trip. Just let it be known. We'll make a whole documentary. Make it work. We ready? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Let me let me let me tell my my my, my camera guy. Come on, we they, they, they're ready. <laughs> Yes, yes. We actually, we for one of my clients, um, his first documentary was in Ethiopia, and we went to the AU and did all that. So, um, unjust per perceptions. It's on Amazon and all that. Okay, I'd love to see it. What's the name of it? I I'm going to send it to you. It's called Unjust Perceptions Ethiopia. I'll send it to you. It's on YouTube as well. Uh, okay. But I'll send you a direct a direct link because yeah, when you start talking about Africa, I get I start getting excited. In a, in a different way. Um, let me ask you, with all the success that you're having and that you're going to have, what is your community give back that you're doing or that you want to do in the future? So from the very beginning, even when I couldn't pay my mortgage <laughs> and my, I had to turn my BMW in, um, I've always offered discount a discounted rate for um, the medical cannabis certification for veterans because you know they definitely have served our our nation and you know we owe them a debt but then not only veterans um from war but veterans of this war on drugs so anyone who is um on uh receives any type of medical uh public or government assistance or can prove that they're currently on probation or parole or um, 
who are currently in a halfway house or recently re released from prison, um, they get a discounted rate. So the, that's where the 125 comes from. Um, so that has been from the beginning, from the, from the beginning of the start of Canada Health. Um, but what I do in addition is we do a lot of give back. So I'm constantly, you know, supporting causes and organizations, um, locally and some on a national level that do the work that I uh, respect and appreciate outside of cannabis um, from juvenile justice um, reform, which I serve on um, my city's juvenile review board. Um, and so that is a way that we can intercept and, and interrupt someone who's beginning to go down the wrong path and help to help them see what is happening and help to figure out why and put them on a path that will lead to success as opposed to the path path that they're on uh, to in pr going towards prison. Um, but like what I, like I said, in addition to all of that though, you know, I work with, um, I created Connecticut United for Reform and Equity and with with some partners and what we do is we make sure that the laws that, that are being written uh, regarding medical cannabis in states as they're considering legalization that they are written that include expungement of records that they include on um, getting people out of prison that they include community reinvestment so if you are a billion dollar uh, company that wants to open up shop in the inner city you're paying you know, you're paying your taxes and your dues to that city that was once, you know, um, destroyed by the war on drugs. And, you know, again, privately, I, I, I'm trying to be a philanthropist. <laughs> That's my, like, my heart's desire is to make enough money to just support the causes and people and communities that um, are near and dear to my heart. And so I, I've just started doing that. So, you know, every week people don't even know this. I'm telling something that I do things. <laughs> I'm not even going to go into detail because I, again, it's about, it's about, it's about my give back and it's not about any glory. I don't want anything from it, but yes, I give back to the community every often. <laughs> okay. And, and you don't want, you know, your, your right hand to know what the left is doing all the way. We just wanted to show that when you do have success, one thing that's never happened, I've never had someone say, I don't give anything back or I don't plan to ever give anything back. If you are, you're probably like the president of the United States, 45, and you're giving it to your own, you know, and, 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 and that's, you know, and that's fine if that's what you want to do, but also that you do offer paid consulting. So I want people to make sure, don't let that friendly face and that nice demeanor think that you can just call her and ask her a hundred questions. She has the greengovernanceconsulting.com phone number on there, and that's paid consulting. So we're not going to give it anything huh? about green governance because we really didn't talk about it. Green government, green governance is a um, policy consult, cannabis related policy consort consulting company. So we, we, the, the, uh, the average individual wouldn't just call us um, for consulting. This would be like a school system who has very clear policies surrounding um, mothers or fathers who come up, to, come to pick their children up 
and they are obviously inebriated with alcohol or something, you know, you can smell or whatever, but they don't have those policies surrounding cannabis and what they need to do. And so the, the, the function of green governance is to help companies, organizations, um, police departments come up with policies that are based on facts, not just the stereotypes and myths, um, but are based on facts that help to protect the public. So they, they not only um, provide insight to how the plant works and, and then those policies are created because, you know, by, because of that, but they also um, are, are policies that eliminate discrimination. So there's no way that the white soccer mom can be on the cover of High Times saying, I consume cannabis as I drop my kids off for their uh, soccer practice and they're perfectly fine. But a black mother who is definitely dealing with trauma, with anxiety, with depression and medicating herself cannot now, can't, can't even be over, you know, can't, can't be found to have it without having to worry about her children being taken. So, you know, it's to create equity in those, in policy creation. Awesome. Awesome. I cannot wait for your book to go on Amazon when you write it, um, because yeah, it's going to be full of information. I don't want to give the folks the game overload and the audience, you know, I want to talk to her off air about something. I can't talk to y'all. I don't want you to hear it. So I thank you for coming on. Thank you for having me. Y'all be blessed. Make sure you like, share this with someone. Thanks for getting in the game and listening to the Diversified Game Podcast with Kellen, the number one show pairing entrepreneurship with diverse and inclusive perspectives like wine and cheese, bagel and locks, fish and grits. Be sure to visit DiversifiedGame.com for all the good stuff. Join in the conversation and discover more content.